Hello, I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vestpod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich. Welcome to The Wallet and our seven-episode mini-series where we take your most pressing questions to financial advisors. Over the next 20 to 30 years, a record 5.5 trillion pounds will be transferred between family generations through inheritance or gifts. This is called the Great Wealth Transfer. This is the largest wealth transfer ever witnessed in the history of the UK. In this episode with chartered financial advisor Lisa Conway-Hugh, we talk about vital strategies for navigating this complex and emotional process, covering topics such as protecting your financial future and maximizing saving allowances. We also explore the personal dynamics of inheritance, including factors that influence distribution decisions, such as close relationships, financial needs, and caregiving responsibilities. Each of our financial journeys is unique, and we all need a little help along the way. But where do we find trusted advisors, and how do we know whether they'll be useful for us? Unbiased does all that heavy lifting for you. Say goodbye to stressful, time-consuming vetting processes and searches. Unbiased will match you with the best advisor for you. Whether you're looking for specific financial advice or simply want to check out your options, unbiased.co.uk has all the tools you need to support you on your financial journey. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Lots of questions, again, from the community who can feel a little bit lost because they may be expecting some money, maybe they've just inherited some money and we're talking like, you know, very different amounts. Some people will inherit almost nothing. Some people may inherit a lot of money and we want to try to understand what's what you know what's actually happening to you to this money and 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 how you can you can plan so if we just start with you know something that may be obvious but can you explain you know the significance of inheriting money and maybe that's emotional you know maybe that's around taxes the long term repercussion because that's it's quite a big uh, life event also yeah and it comes with a huge responsibility as well i think p I think I see so many different um, reactions to inheriting. And I think the more you inherit, sometimes even the more extreme those emotions can be. And those emotions go from freezing and doing nothing to I'm going to Ibiza and I might see you in 10 years. (laughs) Um, So I think it just just needs take a moment, whichever situation is your natural reaction, is to take a moment and first of all, get some perspective because this inheritance, how life-changing is it actually going to be? So this this is a very extreme example, but I had, um, I've got a client at the moment that I'm really working hard with to get his head around the fact that, yes, he's inherited a lot of money. He's inherited just over a million pounds, but he spends water like money. <laughs> And um, that right? he spends money like water <laughs> and um, he hasn't really done any financial planning in the past. So he actually has a shortfall. So he he literally has taken that route of I'm going to be thirsty later. <laughs> um, whereas my job as a financial advisor is really to try to put the brakes on him and really understand the context of this large amount of money and what he needs to do to live within his means and then on the other end of the spectrum I've got so many people who um I get a lot of referrals from a lady who is a a therapist 
and a therapist that specializes in people who inherit a lot of money or are given a lot of money from their families and that can be a huge burden on you because yeah it's not that something you've necessarily earned yourself and that can come with a lot of guilt and a lot of those people's initial reaction is to ignore it to just pretend it's not there keep it in cash not take responsibility for it so I think we need to address what is our natural reaction maybe understand what why we're reacting in that way and then get help from a, um, a financial advisor to help you get that perspective about what is your shortfall? Does this plug the shortfall that you have? And if so, do you have excess that maybe you need to start thinking about giving away? Talking about, you know, inheritance and, and the responsibility that comes with inheriting the, this money and potentially the guilt um, can be huge. So it's, you know, overcoming that and, and working with, with an advisor, but also, in terms of, of the money, often people tell me, you know, but I know I'm going to inherit from my parents. I think I know how much money I'm going to get. So, you know, I'm working, I'm doing something that I love. I will have enough money. I'm, I'm going to be fine. So how can people try to get a sense of how much money they will get? And, and are they overestimating or underestimating, you know, something that could happen in the future? If let's say you're getting the money for, you're inheriting from your parents, You've got to plan in a financial worst case scenario. So what if they are in a care home for five years, for 10 years, and it's 75 grand a year? Like, would, will there actually be any money left at the end of the day? Um, and also being very British, have you actually spoken to your parents about their financial situation? Do you really understand it? Because you know, if if you're basing your, your own personal financial planning on a guesstimate that's not it's not a good way to plan so I think if in doubt when I do a plan like this for clients we would often ignore an inheritance to start with and see it as a bonus rather than something that's necessarily going to happen and we'll try to see if we can make a financial plan without it um, and as a general rule of thumb let's say in, in if you're thinking oh I don't need to do any pension planning or retirement planning as such because I'll get an inheritance Firstly, you need to think about life expectancy. Um, how old are your parents and what's the difference in age? So if your parents are going to live till 90, um, but they had you in their 20s, they're going to live, you're going to be in your late 60s before you even inherit anything. For every £10,000 you want to spend a year in retirement, you need 250000 in your savings pots, your investments pots and your pensions. So I mean, do not get me wrong, I would love a £100,000 inheritance. <laughs> I'm not sure if one's coming my way, but I would love it. But it's not going to be life-changing in the grand scheme of how much yeah. money I'm going to need for financial security in my long term. So I think it's about getting some realistic numbers, maybe doing a bit of a plan for you to see what your shortfall is and putting it into context. Start with. So I'd love to talk about how do you, um, you know, what do you do with, with this money? Um, but maybe before, you know, how can you maybe have this conversation with, you know, with parents or where you think you're going to be inheriting money and that's really difficult. And, and also, how can you avoid, you know, losing a significant portion um, of, of your money um, that you want to pass on to beneficiaries or, or the money you, you, you receive, actually? Um, so how to have the conversation is really tricky. It, it's really uncomfortable. I think it's uncomfortable for the person talking about it and it's uncomfortable for the person 
who is the parent or the person potentially giving the inheritance at some stage. But it is a really important question. I think it starts with if you were to die or to get dementia or be incapacitated in any way, have you got a power of attorney? Have you got a will? Where are they kept? Um, Are you financially in good order? If you were to die, how would I find out where things are? Um, if, If you're speaking, if you've got two parents, how would I help the other remaining parent um, to stay organised and to keep on top of things. So I think that's genuinely coming from a helpful place and maybe that can open the conversation. But I see so many people who don't have powers of attorney, so many people who don't have up-to-date wills, and I think that's a really good starting point. Um, And then I think you might just be a little and often um, conversation with them. Um, But ideally you want to... They need, if it's parents, if it's not you that they're going to be talking to this about, it needs to be someone really well qualified, good financial advisor. There's a qualification I've got, which is called the STEP qualification, and it's an estate planning qualification. So you want to look out for someone who's got that qualification as well. Um, And then how to make sure you're not going to lose money. Um, So... The inheritance tax manuals are so thick, so I'm going to try and summarise it in a sentence, but obviously I'm missing out lots of bits. But as, as the, the core essential bit of information that you need to know is everyone is allowed to have 325,000 of assets tax-free. So if you're, in, um, uh, if you're married, that would be um, 650,000 between you. The, on on death, so say we've got a traditional mum, dad, the, the dad dies first, the mum would inherit the 325,000 allowance from the dad. Then on the mum's death, the second death, 650,000 would be tax-free. If your home is worth more than that, even it's your principal residence and it's going to go to direct relatives, um, then you're actually allowed a, um, a £500,000 um, allowance each. Um, and then anything above that is going to be um, taxable at 40%. So the first thing is, um, is a good planning that you can do. So with clients that I've got that have got excess wealth, we regularly make sure we're using their gift mm-hmm. allowances. So you can gift £3,000 a year tax-free, um, which for most people won't make that much of a big dent. But you can also... Um, gift without any inheritance tax consequences any disposable income and that's really important especially for people who've got say final salary pension schemes where their parents are getting good money coming in they're not spending it all they're actually accumulating it you can gift that disposable income so as long as you can prove what your incomes were what your outgoings were and that you're not depriving yourself gifting out of disposable income is a really good thing it just stops you accumulating more um you could also um think about the next generations and what are they actually going to need so um very common thing to gift for disposable income would be things like school fees so could you contribute towards any school fees planning out of disposable income for grandchildren for great grandchildren for example um could you be doing some pension planning believe it or not for your little babies <laughs> grandchildren because even babies can have a pension um, as long as you don't pay more than 3600 a year. So there's lots of bits that you can be doing 
But I think it's about starting off with the need and starting off with what you want to achieve. But then I also have a good amount of people in my client base who have given to family, but they're really, really passionate about charity. So we set charitable giving um, amounts each year. We recorded a first episode about death where we're really having this like tricky conversation and trying to think about you know, what you can do to plan for the for the next generation um, in terms of, yeah, of giving, planning, pensions, maybe junior ISA uh, if you have children, talking about wills, power of attorneys, that's really important. And, and if we assume, sorry to do it, if we assume that we're the listeners of your podcast and we're the generation that might be receiving, completely see it in my client base. The clients who are in their 70s, 80s and 90s, they're really happy to talk about death. They don't find it as weird as we do. So we're probably the ones finding it weird for them. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and, and let's imagine, uh, you know, we receive, you receive, I receive a lump sum of money uh, today. What, what do I do with this money? How do I, do I allocate it? Don't do anything straight away. Put this money um, in um, a cash account. At the minute, you can get decent cash returns at the minute. So you never want to have more than £85,000 with any one bank because if that bank goes bust, you've got an £85,000 um, insurance policy by the government. If it's a joint account, it's 170000 But there is this thing called the temporary high balances allowance, which means you can have up to, if you've received an inheritance in the last six months, you could, you're protected up to a million pounds. Um, and then there are accounts with, say, NSNI, National Savings and Investments, that will go up to two million as well that protected. So put the money in, in um, somewhere safe, somewhere that is protected. And then I think it's about um, taking a step back and thinking about what it is that you want to achieve. Um, what I would always do with the, with um, someone who'd inherited would be do this lifetime cash flow model where we work out what where is the need in your life and what what do we where where would the ideal allocation be to this um, of this pot? But essentially, you're always going to want to have a cash buffer. But if your needs are in the medium to long term, then you don't need to keep the cash more than that in cash. Um, you could be using the lump sum to contribute excess into your pension to then reduce you down into the tax bracket. So say I was earning 70000 a year, I used 20000 a year of my inheritance to put into a pension, um, then I'm going to get myself back to being a basic rate taxpayer. So you can use the inheritance as well to help you control your tax bracket. And then the majority of the money is going to go in the medium term, which usually you're using things like an ISA allowance and a general investment account um, to um, build that area of your wealth. But also while we're in this horrid state of really, really high interest rates, would paying some of your mortgage down actually be helpful as well? So for most people, it's probably doing a little bit of everything, but a financial advisor will be able to help you work out in what proportions is going to be right for your plan. And can you, if we we just uh, take a step back actually and think about the inheritance tax itself. So I know I'm going to be inheriting some money, but before the money actually comes in, what, what happens? When is the tax due? Um, is is it taken, you know, directly from from the payment? Do I have to pay it? What if I don't have enough money, uh, especially maybe on like a big property, and, and and if I have no cash to pay for that? It, so you have to pay the tax before the money gets given to you. So it's a bit chicken and egg. Like, how do I pay the tax when I haven't got the money? Um, so a lot of my clients, we will just insure that risk away. 
So you take out something called a whole of life insurance policy, which means that if it's a, if you're insuring a couple, it's joint life, second death. So you want the money to pay out when the remaining person dies. Um, and typically they're not cheap, but you would normally need to live way into your hundred to have spent more on these insurances than um, it's going to pay out. And the benefit of insuring against this inheritance tax risk is that as the parents pay the inheritance tax, um, sorry, the insurance for the inheritance tax, it's reducing the amount that they have in their estate. You write the insurance in trust. So it means it pays out tax free. The kids receive the, the money from the insurance and then they pay the um, inheritance tax bill and then the money is released. And it's just a really, really nice, clean, simple way of doing it. I think lots of people can get themselves in all sorts of tangles and knots when it comes to doing setting up trusts and things like that. But trusts are just yeah. can be very expensive. And again, we cover like trust in uh, yeah in, in episode one, and yeah, such such a you know great way. And again, like get you know get some support and, and advice on that. Um, you mentioned this uh, FSCS protection on accounts of eighty five thousand uh, pounds for for individual accounts. Very often people ask me, you know, but I have this, this ISA, I've had this pension, you know, personal pension for ages. So I'm, I'm over this 85k limit. Do you think I should split, um, you know, my money between two different like financial institutions? And what if, you know, you have to split to, you know, how many uh, in institutions? Uh? So this is specifically to do with the savings, the 85,000. If it's a pension, And what you have to remember is that the pension itself is usually responsible for the cash that's in the pension and the money going in and out. So sort of like your debit and credits and things like that. The money actually is with the investments and with the fund manager. It's probably really, really spread, well spread anyway. But I think it's something to check and to ask your pension provider um, definitely. But most of the time, most people aren't keeping more than the 85,000 in cash. But a lot of pensions will also mitigate that risk by having different bank accounts for their day-to-day -day cash um, as well. And if you have um, like a self-invested pension where you invest directly into like stocks, maybe ETF and index funds, I guess then you need to think about this 85K. But also what's behind the ETF, what are you actually in? Because then it will be really, really spread out. What are some common mistakes that, that people make when inheriting money and, and how we can avoid them? I think um, not letting it make them happy. Is that, it might sound a bit sappy, but honestly, so many times, um, if, if I were, when my kids inherit from me, I really want them to be sensible with it, but enjoy it and to, for it to have a meaningful impact on their lives if I haven't spent it by, all, by the time they get it. Um, but... So many times I feel it's it's a real burden and people are frozen into inaction because of, of the the weight of the responsibility. So I think it's it's you you need to find if you don't have the confidence to do it yourself, find someone to help you take a step back and really get to know you to understand what would make you happy. So I had a lady who um hated a job, she inherited a lot of money and the money was just sat there and her dad was an investing expert. Um, and I think she felt was guilty that she wasn't as good as, as, good as uh, all of this as her dad was. Um, 
She didn't really like her job. She was working very long hours. So once I peeled back all the layers, actually what would make her really happy is if she worked three days a week. Those three days a week would have put her back into a basic rate tax um, situation. She was really passionate about writing. So now she spends those two days writing um, the book. The investments are invested in a way that's aligned with her because she needed those investments to be ethical, to make her feel good about the, what she... The, the impact that these investments were having, which was completely different story to the way the dad had actually had them invested. So I think it was hard for her to make that shift. It felt like she was almost getting rid of something that the dad had had, but aligning those goal, those investments with her goals made her feel more comfortable. And then the investments pay her for those days of writing. So she's got a much more balanced lifestyle now, which um, I hope... I hope it's I hope she feels the same. I feel it was a good plan anyway. No, it's brilliant. And I think, you know, shifting the, the mindset around that. I mean, we've had discussions during our boot camp around, you know, beliefs around money, whereas you know, where you think because it's not your money, you didn't earn it yourself, maybe you don't deserve it. Um and then, you know, you're not gonna spend it, you're not gonna gonna enjoy it. So I think it's brilliant to to try to have these conversations and overcome these beliefs uh, we have around yeah. around money. And, and can you help me navigate some of the maybe emotional, personal aspects of inheritance, including maybe dividing assets equally among, you know, children, or maybe when you think that some people have been, you know, getting a lot more money than, than you, um, and maybe considering like caregiving responsibilities. I mean, there's a lot of questions when we start talking about um, inheritance. There is, and a lot of arguments that could happen <laughs> as well. And families. And so... Yeah. yeah, huge. And so I think the more open the families can be um, at the outset and the, for the parents, to, if it is from parents, let's say, to set the expectation of what they're going to, to do and why they're going to do it so that the people can um, get their head around it if there's going to be something that it was not an equal division. Um, I have a very sensible client who um, gifted during her lifetime and she's made it very clear to her kids that anything else that she has is going completely to charity when she dies so there's no ambiguity about what's happening um, and also the, the kids can therefore make the financial decisions based on that they're not expecting to inherit anymore that everyone knows where they stand um, I've I've got clients where um, there's been huge family rows where they've inherited. And I think the ones where the happiest ones in the end have been the ones who have just let it go. Um, I've seen it where people have challenged wills and you can do that. You can challenge wills, but that's why it's really important for you to make sure your parents have written a will that's, that's drafted correctly by a solicitor and it represents their current wishes because then it's going to be harder to challenge as well. Thank you so much, Lisa. And if we just finish with maybe, you know, three key things that, uh, you know, someone who has inherited money uh, needs to consider. Careful where you're getting your advice from. So we've seen a rise in advice, um, in inverted commas, on social media sites. You've got to really get your advice on someone who is regulated. Um, You've got to only ever invest in things that are regulated. Don't do anything dodgy or high risk. But also, I think it is about understanding. Take a step back and think, 
what do I need this money to achieve? So for example, um, this isn't a quick tip, sorry, but a lady I had yesterday, she's naturally quite high risk and um, the investments that she uh, we would naturally pick for her portfolio have returned 8% a year on average. She She's got this new lump sum, this windfall, and when we look at it, she needs a 3% return now for the rest of her life. So she might be high risk naturally, but does she really need to be? So I think it's about working out what you need rather than um, what your natural reaction might be. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Wallet. We understand that discussing money can often be viewed as taboo, but we strongly believe in the value of sharing knowledge with friends as a meaningful way to give back. Be sure to click and follow The Wallet on your preferred podcast platform so that you don't miss our final episode, episode 7, which will be airing next Thursday. We will talk about investing and give you the confidence and tips to get started. If you enjoyed our show, we would greatly appreciate your support by leaving a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 